0: message and this is one uh this morning if you were here we we dealt with the subject uh and asked that question uh, a very serious question about being a true follower and uh, are you a phony or are you a follower and that's a question we all have to ask ourselves and it's something that as, as a daily a reminder to ourselves that we have to make the decision whether we are going to be a follower or not and one of the things that, as we dealt with that this morning, I encourage you, I encourage myself to be a true follower of the Lord. But tonight, I, wanna, I want to encourage you that this is a message that uh, is one that is on my heart, has been on my heart, uh, not just for our church, but for Christians in general. Uh, as I come in contact with many people, there are many people who have lost or are missing God's best because of certain things that we find in Scripture that the Bible deals with that people have done or that they have not done. And in the book of Jeremiah, you come to chapter number 5, and in Jeremiah chapter number 5, Jeremiah, as you see some things, the Lord is trying to get the attention of the people, but you know Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. I mean, imagine being a prophet who is trying to get a message to the people, and they are so rebellious, they are so disconnected, and they are so content with the way that they are living that he cannot get their attention. Imagine that. Imagine if you would, if you're a parent here this this evening, imagine trying to talk to your child every single day for the next year, trying to get something to get into their minds so they would understand something, and every single day they look at you and say, I hear you, but I do not care. Imagine that. Imagine hearing those words and understanding those words that I just do not care. Notice what the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter number 5, verse number 11. It says, For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have dealt very treacherously against me, saith the Lord. In verse number 7, he asks this question, How shall I pardon thee for this? He's trying to get their attention. Jeremiah is relaying message after message after message. And the people are so consumed with themselves and so consumed with other gods... That it's as though they're looking at Jeremiah and saying, I hear exactly what you're saying, but I just don't care. I just don't care. You see, in the Christian life, the Lord desires to give his children his best. I I, I love doing things that make my children happy. Whenever they mind and whenever they are obedient, and if I'm trying to get them to understand certain things, and they come up to me, if Holly comes up to me and says, Hey, can I have this? And I might say something like, listen, if you behave yourself as we go and make these errands and do these things, we might can stop and get ice cream, or you might can get an ice cream sandwich when we get home, or you might can do this, or you might can do that, or you might can go outside and play for a little while when we get home if we have time, if you, if you mind yourself. And if they mind themselves, I love being able to say, hey, guess what, you get an ice cream sandwich. And guess what, you get, we're going to stop and get you uh, an ice cream, uh, a bowl of ice cream, we're going to stop and do this, or hey, we're going to take you to the park. I love doing that. You know, the Lord desires that He would be able to look at His children and say, Hey, I want to bless you. But how often do we hear exactly what God is trying to get across? And it's as though we look at the Lord or acknowledge what He's saying and say, I hear you. I just don't care. I just don't care. Notice with me, Jeremiah chapter number 5, as we think about these words that He is trying to get across. And the message tonight is how to lose the Lord's best. That's a, that's, a, that's a topic, it's a subject that is heavy on my heart because so many times in the Christian life there are people that we come in contact with that don't realize that they're missing out on the Lord's best. They're missing out on all that God has for them. Go with me while you're holding your place in Jeremiah chapter number 5 because you you might not believe that we find that there are certain things that get the the point across as far as what the Lord desires to do. Notice with me, if you would, Psalm chapter number 1. Psalm 1, if you would, take your Bibles there for just a moment. And this is a a psalm that starts off and it, it relays a message that is very understandable, if you would. The very first words of the book of Psalm are what? Blessed. Blessed. And the Bible says right here, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the river, rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not or shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I mean, it starts off and it says, "Hey, you want to be a blessed person? You want to experience God's blessing? You want to experience a happy life that is filled with just all of what God has for you? Blessed is the man." that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scorn. I mean, it gives us a blueprint right here to start off the book of Psalms of, hey, you want to be a happy individual, you want to enjoy life, you want to be a, an individual that's not walking through life and saying, man, why is it so hard? As we went to Psalm 119 this past Wednesday, or actually the Wednesday before and we were dealing with this, there are some things that God never intended for us to experience, such as heartache, such as trials that were never intended for us to, uh, to experience, but we brought it upon ourselves because we looked at God as he was right here saying, Blessed is the man. Hey, don't do this. Go down this road. And it's as though we looked at the Lord and said, No, we're, we're, we, I hear you. I just don't care. God says, I never intended for you to feel that pain. I never intended for you to, to go down that road and to experience all that you've had to experience. And so this evening we come to Jeremiah chapter number 5 and we ask ourselves how to lose the Lord's best. And I'm going to be a little bit, uh, in such a way I'm going to tell you if you desire to lose the Lord's best, here's the things that you need to do that we find in Jeremiah chapter number 5. In Jeremiah chapter number 5, we'll jump right into it. Notice with me the very first verse. The Bible says, Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now, and know, and seek in the broad places thereof, if ye can find a man. There be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. Jeremiah comes onto the scene and he's traveling through the streets and he's trying to see if he can find one person that would seek the truth. And he's trying to find one person that the Lord says, Hey, if you can just find this one person, just one, you won't have to worry about some of the things that are about to come. You won't have to worry about some of the consequences. If you want to learn to lose God's best, if you want to know how to lose God's best, number one... Stop seeking the truth. Stop seeking the truth. I believe if we were all being honest with ourselves this evening, if you were to be put in a situation where it was a situation where if you didn't find out the truth, your life would be put into harm's way, you would say, no, I need to find out the truth. I need to know how to make sure that my life is not put in harm's way, that I'm not going to make a mess of things, that I'm not going to be hurt, that my family is going to be taken care of, that none of the things that are not intended for me to experience, that I'm going to make sure that I stay away from those things. Because if there's a right way to do something, I need to make sure. And if I I go down this road, I'm going to get hurt. I don't want to know that. Can I share with you this evening? That's found right here in this book. You want to make sure that you live a life that is is going to be uh, right down the Lord's path and making sure that you're walking with the Lord and you you make sure that you're doing things the right way. And hey, you might have some days where people might say something, it might hurt your feelings, but the Lord is always going to be with you and He's going to help you through those times. and He's going to bring uh, the the peace and the grace and the mercy that you need. But there are some things that we find in this book right here and we look at it and say, I hear it, I just don't care. It's like I was having a conversation a couple of years ago. And I made this statement, if you and I were to have a debate tonight, let's just say you come up to me, or if I come up to you, and we just, I just, I just pull uh, something crazy out of the sky, and we just start debating something crazy. I mean, it's just something that's like, dude, this is a waste of time. We could both go on YouTube, we could go both go onto Google, and we could type in what we believe, and we're going to find someone who believes exactly what we believe. Can I share with you, if you want to find someone who is going to give you all the answers that you want to hear instead of the truth that you need to hear, you can find it. It's not hard. You can type it in Google. You want to disregard the Word of God, you can find someone who believes what you believe or find someone who doesn't believe the truth of this book just as easily as you type just a couple of words. But the Word of God is clear here. He says, Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem and see now and know and seek in the broad places thereof. If you can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. The Word of God has much to say about seeking the truth of God's Word. The Word of God has much to say about finding yourself seeking God's Word and what it has to say in the commandments of God's Word. The Bible says in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Notice these words Thy Word is truth. John 5:39, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And Lamentations 3, verse number 40, let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Psalm 139, it goes from not only us searching the scriptures, but hey, Lord, how about you search us? And he says this right here in verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. You want to learn how to lose God's best? Stop seeking the truth of God's word. Can I share with you, there are many people, and we we might say, oh, I would never do that. But sometimes we don't even realize that we've stopped searching the truth of God's word. We find ourselves maybe months into a situation where we're going through something or we're experiencing a hardship, and all along we're sitting there trying to figure out all the solutions. We've typed in Google. We've gotten help books. We've we've sought counsel from people. But never once did we seek the truth of God's Word and say, Lord, help me to understand this. Lord, what am I going through? Why am I going through this? Lord, what do you have for me to see out of all of this? And so you want to lose God's best? Stop seeking the truth of God's Word. I love, and I've I've emphasized this over the last couple of of months, and and we've talked about this. Brother John and I have had conversations about this. I love... Having, I mean, my library has book after book after book. If you walk in the house, uh, there's books in certain places, and Ms. Kelly's getting on to me all the time saying, would you just put your books away? I mean, that, that's just that's how I, I've got books everywhere. I enjoy reading. If I'm in, in a certain place in the house, I love to be able to grab a book and just be able to sit down right then and there. And, and I don't sit there and read for 45 to 50 to, minutes to an hour and try to read six chapters at a time. That might just be two or three pages. But can I share with you, I enjoy some of those books. But those books ought to never replace this book right here. And the truth of the matter is, many times in our own lives, we have replaced this book with so much other stuff. We've even replaced it with the opinions of man. We've replaced it with the, 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 the articles that are written on social media and we've replaced it with all of the theologians that we, we type in on Google and say, hey, I want to I understand this. And all of a sudden a, a, an expert jumps onto YouTube and we say, man, this man's got it all together. He knows exactly what I need to do. All the while the Lord's probably shaking his head and saying, man, it's all right here. If you need it, come and find it. Stop seeking God's truth. Stop seeking the truth if you want to learn how to lose the Lord's best. Number two, in verse number two, he continues on and he says this. And though they say, the Lord liveth, surely they swear falsely. Number two, not only should you stop seeking the truth if you want to lose the Lord's best, but stop being sincere. Stop being sincere. What he is dealing with in verse number 2 here is he goes on he says, Though they say the Lord liveth, surely they swear falsely. And what he has found here is that the people were being dishonest. They were lying. They were saying one thing, but it was completely different. They were flippant, if you would, in attitude. And their disregard towards God was beginning to reveal itself. And he begins to find that the people were no longer sincere in how they were living and the things that they were saying. They were just saying things because, hey, we know what to say. If you want to lose God's best, then stop being a sincere Christian. Stop being sincere if you, if you want to lose God's best. If you want to go through this life and never experience the best that God has for you, then just figure out what to say, when to say it, and how to say it, and you've got it made. But can I share with you, you'll feel more pain, you'll feel more heartache, and you'll sit in services every single time with conviction because the Holy Spirit will begin to do a work saying, hey, you're a phony this whole time, and you're missing out on what I have for you. There have been services, I remember sitting there as a teenager, even after I had been called to preach where the Holy Ghost was beginning to deal with me and reminding me that, hey, what I have for you, you're disregarding right this very moment. I remember going to Bible college, and while I was at Bible college, I was sitting in service after service, in class after class, and there were times whenever the Lord was dealing and saying, hey, how long are you going to sit here and disregard all that I have for you? You see, I have shared this before, but I was able to go and play basketball while I was in college, but that is not why I went to college. And I remember sitting in my dorm room and while I was sitting there, that's when the Lord began to deal with me and say, hey, I've allowed you to do this, but remember, this is not why I brought you here. Can I share with you many times in our own lives, we forget exactly why the Lord has brought us to a certain place, what he has for us. It'd be very easy for me to illustrate it this way, I live in Clarksville, Tennessee. The purpose that God has for me is to pastor Gateway Baptist Church and to try to reach the hearts of Clarksville, Tennessee. It'd be very easy for me to get caught up the very simple fact that, hey, 40 minutes up the road is Kentucky Lake. It'd be very easy for me to say, hey, the land between the lakes is just about an hour away, and I can go mud and all that I want to. I could walk in here on Wednesdays with about a 15-minute message prepared, and say, hey, this is what the Bible says. Read a couple verses, pray, and be dismissed. And you say, well, there's something wrong with this guy. Uh, he's not delivering God's word the way it needs to be delivered. He's just, it's he's, he's almost as though he, he's, he's being hypocritical about things. It's almost as though he's, he's so disconnected to the truth of what God has for him here and his purpose in being here. And what is the case? My mind is elsewhere. The people figured out what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. And they were no longer sincere. Imagine being Jeremiah. I can't imagine being Jeremiah. Trying to deliver message after message after message. And it was just total disregard to what God had for the people. I can't imagine just trying to... It's no wonder he is known as the weeping prophet. The Bible says, Jeremiah 7, verse 28, But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord, their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. The people had become dishonest. They were no longer sincere. They had become liars, if you would, and they began to disregard what God was saying. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalm 31, verse 18, let the lying lips be put to silence. And I wonder tonight if, if there's one here and you've began to experience the, the losing of God's best because, number one, you stopped seeking the truth of God's word, and number two, you know when to say, what to say, and how to say it, and so now you're no longer sincere. I mean, you've got the Christian life lingo figured out, and you know exactly what to say and how to say it just to get someone off of your back. Can I share with you, you're not hurting them, you're hurting yourself. One of the things that we have to come to realize is that every single time that we are saying things just to say something, that in reality we're getting further and further away from all that God truly has for us. Number three, you want to learn to, how to lose God's best. Notice with me what the Bible says in verse number three and four. It says, O Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them. This word stricken means to smite, if you would, it means to chastise, it means to punish. He goes on to say, Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock, and they have refused to return. Therefore I said, Surely these are poor, they are foolish, for they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. In verse number 23 and 24, if you would skip on down with me, the Bible says, But this people hath a revolting and rebellious heart, They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, Let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter, in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. The the Lord begins to discipline the people to get their attention and to to get them to turn back. And he says in verse number 3, O Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. You've maybe have been in this situation before where you were trying to get the attention of, of your 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 child just the other day, actually just today, this morning as we we're uh getting ready for church and we were on our way to church and the whole morning Jackson had woken up. Where's he at? He's in the back, he's ignoring me right now. Just the other day, he, he was sitting up here uh two Sunday evenings ago and uh <laughs> he, after the service, we were talking, and he says, Dad, you preached a long time tonight. I fell asleep. I was like, thank you for that, son. I appreciate that. I'm glad you got something out of it. But this morning, he was in a a little bit of a mood, if you would, and uh, he was was whining about everything. He was disobeying, and you know, one of the things that kids love to do when they get to church is they want to play with their friends. I mean, that's, I mean, they, they want to see their friends. They want to play with their friends, and so... Uh, I was trying to get him to understand, and I said, when we were here, I said, listen, you're going to sit right there, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you afterwards. You're not allowed to play with your friends for a while. I mean, you'd have thought I just told him he was grounded for the rest of his life. I mean, it, it got his attention. It, it, he, he, he understood, what, but my friends are coming, is what he said. I said, too bad. You've been disobeying. You've, you've been doing all. His attention was gone. But can you imagine talking to a child, talking to a group of people, and says, hey, this is what's about to take place. And they look at you and say, okay, it's fine. Be as though Brother Chris and Miss Linda were dealing with the twins here and, and uh, began to, let's just say they were being rebellious. And they began to try to talk to them and say, hey, we're taking away all, all outside activities. When when we come to church, you, you're going to sit right here. You're not going to talk. To, you're not going to do this. After church, you're not going to go play. You, hey, all of these things, and they go down a list of five to six things, and they say everything is taken from you. And Jared looks at his dad and, and just says, "I don't care. Do what you want." Brother Chris would look at him and say, "Boy, what'd you just say?" <laughs> or Miss Linda. <laughs> Jared catch a shoe flying from the, ba- be- the the room, hitting him in the face. Yeah, but notice what it says right here. O Lord, are not thine eyes open or upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Man, I mean, number three, we see that start being rebellious. Just start being rebellious. In verses 23 and 24, he goes on to say, but this people have a revolting and rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, Let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both to the former and the latter in a season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. The word consumed in these verses that we've just read speaks of the crust to waste away, if you would. And, and the way that you understand what's taking place here is the people had such a spirit that they were not going to feel any of the pain, and you know this, it's it's like a child whenever you tell them to go wait for you because there's a, they're about to get a paddle because they've disobeyed or they've done something they weren't supposed to, and that child runs to their room and all of a sudden they start stuffing stuff in the backside of their pants so that the, the whooping won't hurt very bad. And, they, and you walk into the room, and they're, they're waiting there for you, but they're, they're, they're just smiling because they know, hey, what I'm about to feel isn't going to hurt me, but go ahead. These this, this people have had this spirit of, do whatever you want to do, God, because it doesn't matter. It's not going to hurt. Yeah. And Do whatever. Hey, you're going to take things from me? Do it. It doesn't matter if you would. And the rebellious spirit begins to creep in. The rebellious spirit begins to take over. Verse number 4, he says this in this chapter, he says, Surely these are poor, they are foolish, for they know not the way of the Lord. A couple of months ago, we spent some time looking at a passage of Scripture and and discussed this subject of ignorance isn't always so bliss. Ignorance isn't always so bliss. And as you begin to come to this portion of Scripture, these people have begun to become ignorant of these things. And they began to dismiss these things. And he says, Surely these are poor, they are foolish, for they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. They were ignorant of these things. And one of the things this word foolish means, it means to act foolishly. They began to do things and say things in such a way that it almost caught you off guard. It was almost in such a way that you, because you knew that they knew what they were supposed to be doing and the ways that they were supposed to be walking that it took him back and he was saying, What is going on right now? Why is this behavior happening? Why are they acting this way? You know this. Ignorance leads to mistakes. All of a sudden, they're making mistake after mistake after mistake. and Ignorance leads to missing God's will and His blessing. Ignorance means to unhappiness without even realizing it until you get down the road. I've heard testimony after testimony where people have run from God and they will come back later at some point in time because the Lord has gotten their attention. They'll look at you or they'll say something along the lines of, Man, I've made a mess of my life. And what had happened? Well, they stopped seeking truth. All of a sudden, they knew what to say, when to say it. And so if someone knocks on the door, and you know this, we're living in the Bible Belt. When you knock on someone's door and ask them if they go to church or if they're saved, you got about a 99% chance they're going to look at you and say, yeah, I go to church over here. This one. Why? Because there's a church on every street corner. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've got everything figured out. I'm a Christian. And all of a sudden, rebellion kicks in. And the rebellious spirit had taken over, and Jeremiah says, surely these are poor, they are foolish, for they know not the way of the Lord nor the judgments of their God. Rebellion is, is a result of, of pride, if you would. And pride creeps up. And pride is something that if we're not careful, we hold on to and we're unwilling to get right. And we understand from Scripture that pride always leads to destruction. Find me a portion of Scripture where it says this person was as prideful and rebellious as they could be and the Lord's blessing was upon their life. You won't find it. And Jeremiah is trying to wrap his mind around all this and he's not understanding So you want to miss out on God's best? Number three, start being rebellious. Number four, if you would, look with me in verse number five. He says, I will get me under the great men. This portion of scripture right here, the great men, if you would, would be the the older men of the, the group here. So if we were dealing with this, I would be talking about uh, bro- Brother Harold back here, and I'd say we would get some of the great men, those who are the older generation that would be, uh, would be uh, looking at the younger generation and be leading the younger generation and saying, this is what you need to do because this is the truth of God's word. And some of the older men of the church here, it'd be as though if there was a younger generation, I was trying to get their attention and I was trying to deliver a message, but they're just not understanding it. It'd be as though I come to you and say, hey, could you talk some sense into these young people? Could you get their attention? Could you help them to understand that this is not what God has for them? Verse number five, he says, I will get me under the great men and will speak unto them, for they have known the way of the Lord. I mean, they've experienced it firsthand. They've seen all that God has. And the judgment of their God, but these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. Wherefore, a lion out of the forest shall slay them, and a wolf of the evening shall spoil them, and a leopard shall watch over their cities. Every one that go without thence shall be torn in pieces, because their transgressions are many, and their backslidings are increased. Verse number 7, notice these words. How shall I pardon thee for this? Thy children have forsaken me, and sworn by them that are no gods. When I have fed them to the full, they then committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops in the harlots' houses. They were as fed horses in the mornings, every one neighed after his neighbor's wife. Shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? Go ye up upon her walls and destroy. But make not a full end, take away her battlements, for they are not the Lord's. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have dealt very treacherously against me, saith the Lord. Number four, stop submitting to the Lord. it be as though this evening I go and I am trying to deliver a message to the young generation that, hey, this is not what God has for you. You're going down a road that is not pleasant. You're going to feel pain. You're going to feel hurt. That was never intended for you. And I go to Brother Harold and I say, Hey, Brother Harold, I need you to round up some of the, the men of the church that are, uh, have experienced some of these things and have, that know the ways of the Lord, that know the truth of God's word, only to find out that Brother Harold's just as bad as the younger generation. That Brother Harold has forsaken the Lord just like the younger generation has. That Brother Harold and some of the men of the church have gone down a road that he didn't quite understand. You see, Jeremiah thought he was going to be getting some help and realized quickly that, man, they've they've dealt treacherously with the Lord as well. And so we find that in verse number 7, the Lord says, How shall I pardon thee for this? How shall I pardon thee for this? Imagine with me for just a few moments. In that situation, and I find out that Brother Harold and some of the Men of the church that are investing in the younger generation, I find out that, man, they've disregarded God as well. You've got a younger generation that's no longer wanting anything to do with God. God's punishing them, and they're looking at God and saying, keep it coming because it doesn't bother me. And I go to the older men of the church and say, can you help me here? Could you talk some sin to them only to find out that they as well have disregarded God, that they've disobeyed God? That they've stopped seeking truth themselves. That they've began to be no longer sincere themselves. That they have all of a sudden begin to be rebellious themselves. And it's as though I found out all of that information. And you know this. When someone begins to go down a slippery s- slope, it breaks your heart. It it, it shatters your heart when you see someone going down a road that is not meant for them and you see all of the pain and the destruction that's about to enter into their life and the, the struggle that they're about to face. It breaks your heart because, man, what could God do? As I've said time and time again, one of the most discouraging statements that could be, or one of the most encouraging statements could be, is, man, that young person had so much potential. Had so much potential. Man, what a discouraging statement. The other side of it is the encouraging part. Man, that person has a lot of potential. Man, that word potential can be gone in the negative or in the positive depending on how it's used. I imagine if I were to find all that out, I would sit there and I'd say, What happened? You, You knew the truth of God's Word. You experienced God's blessing. You knew all of these things and we're trying to reach the younger generation. Now you've gone this way too. The Lord says this in verse number 7. How shall I pardon thee for this? Verse number 11. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have dealt very treacherously against me, saith the Lord. Verse number 12. Notice with me if you would. The Bible says they have belied the Lord and said it is not he. Neither shall evil come upon us. Neither shall we see sword nor famine. And he goes on. In number 5 we see this. Start deceiving yourself. You want to miss out on God's best? Start deceiving yourself. If I were to ask Jared if Jared's living the life of one who is going down a road that he's going to miss out on God's best, i go to Jared and say, hey, man, how's everything going? And Jared looks at me and says, man, it is awesome. Life's going great. He's telling me what I want to hear. He's deceived himself into thinking everything's okay when in reality it's not okay. You say, well, what are you talking about? This word right here that is found in verse number 12, the word belied or bellied, B-E-L-I-E-D here. They have belied the Lord. It means this, to lie, to be untrue, to cringe, to grow frail. Brother Warren was here this morning, and as he was speaking in the Sunday school hour, he made this statement. When he was in the high school years as he was about to be out of high school and as he was struggling, he said, he was pursuing the golf life and he was trying to get away from the Lord and he made this statement, anything that had to do with God or church, he cringed about. He couldn't stand. He couldn't handle if you would. In this passage of scripture, it helps us to understand that they had come to the place where anything that had to do with God, they cringed at. You know that, that feeling of cringing. It's just something that's like you, you can't handle it. Imagine we, for just a moment. You want to know the feeling of, being, of just cringing? Imagine one of these ladies that have long nails coming in and taking their nail and rubbing across a, a whiteboard, if you would, or a chalkboard. Some of y'all just felt exactly what I'm talking about, didn't you? It's, you, you feel it. You, you, it's just cringing. It's exactly the, the picture here spiritually the people were cringing at God and anything God had to do with them. They had such a disregard, and they began to deceive themselves into thinking that everything was going to be okay. He says this, It is not he, in verse number 12, neither shall evil come upon us. They had talked themselves into believing that the lifestyle that they were living that everything was going to be okay, that God was not going to deal with them the way that they thought, and, hey, he—he's not. It's, it's fine. They had lied to themselves, they had cringed at everything about God, and they began to believe the lie. And the longer you tell a lie, at some point in time you'll begin to believe it yourself. And they began to cringe and they began to lie to themselves to such a point where they believed that the lifestyle that they were living was okay and that punishment was not going to come. Can I share with you this evening that God has spoken in His Word and that there are consequences to sin. Sometimes we think, oh, I can do this and I can have, I can have fun. And, 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 and sometime down the road when I'm in my 50s or in my 60s or in my 70s or at the end of my life, hey, I'll get right with God then. I share with you, consequences come when you sin. Whenever my children disobey, they face consequences. And just like us, when we disobey God, and when we go against God, and we disregard God, and we go down our own road and our own path, whether you want to believe it or not, consequences will be faced. The people were cringing and to such a point where they were no longer believing this would be the case. As the Bible says in verse number 12, it is not. He neither shall evil come upon us, neither shall... Shall we see sword nor famine? I mean, they really thought everything was going to be okay. You have a child in your home. And you have certain rules that are set in the home. These are the things you will say if you're going to live in. I remember growing up and my stepdad used to always say, as long as you live in this house, you will do what I say. That was just understood. If he didn't like something that was was being said, he'd look at me and say, we don't say that in this house. If he didn't like something he heard, he'd say, we don't listen to that in this house. If he didn't like something that was being watched, he'd say, hey, we don't watch this in this house. I mean, it was just understood. Hey, there are certain things as long as you live. I remember, I mean, we were raised in a home where you took three to five minute showers. And I remember I'd complain about it every time. That's just not enough time. He says, well, as long as you live in this house, it's going to be enough time. I, and we'd go and we'd try to. My stepdad he he keeps the house set at like 76 degrees. Y'all are sweating just hearing those words, aren't you? And my miss Deb's not, but I'm sweating already just thinking about this. And I'm one who likes it at 66, 67, 68. That, that's comfortable for me. It can even get lower than that if it needs to. And I remember I'd, I I would complain, and he'd say. When you start paying the bill, you can start doing whatever you want to. So he came to our house one time. The very first time he came to our house, he said, Hey, guess what the thermostat set on 68. And guess who pays for it? Me. <laughs> I mean, they, you know. But in this portion of Scripture, they really thought that nothing was going to come to pass of all of what they were doing. Hey, everything's going to be fine. There was one thing I remember growing up, and there were some things that my parents would let slide after we understood you know as far as if we said something but we understood oh i shouldn't have said that but there was one thing in our home that that was understood and that no matter if you forgot or whatever the case was you were getting punished and that was if you disrespected mama you didn't back talk mom you didn't he would look at you and he'd say did you have you lost your mind and I knew punishment was coming because you just did not disrespect mama. You just, you obeyed. And he would he would say that, and, and there were nev- there was never a time whenever I said something that I shouldn't have where I would say, mm, he's not going to punish me. No, if I said something that didn't need to be said about mom, I would be punished. You just don't, you don't talk back, you don't disrespect her. And I remember, I was a teenager, and I, my mom was back in Indiana. My stepdad was in Columbus, Georgia. We had not moved there yet. And I was in trouble for something. My mom had sent me upstairs, said, I'll be up there in just a minute. You're going to get a whooping. Gone upstairs. And uh, I did not know this at the time, but my stepdad was on his way back from Columbus, Georgia. You know, when, when, when my stepdad was out of the home, we tried to get away with things. And I remember she she whooped me, and I turned around and I said, all right, are you done? Just like that. And you know. And some of you see my stepdad. He's big and mean. <clears throat> and she said, stay right here. Rick's coming home. All of a sudden, huh? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I thought, oh, I got away with this. No. I had deceived myself into thinking it was okay. Can I share with you one of the saddest things in the Christian life is when young people or just Christians in general deceive themselves into thinking that the sinful life that they're living is okay. That punishment is not coming, that consequences will not be faced, that, hey, everything's going to be okay. God has other people he's fooling with. He's not going to worry about me. Can I share with you, if you're a child of God, he cares about every single one of us. And if that means that he has to get our attention by punishing us, then he will get our attention. You want to miss out on God's best? Number five, start deceiving yourself. Verse number 25 is you make your way there if you would. And this is just to kind of summarize, I guess you would say. The Bible says this. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden good things from you. You want to miss out on God's best for your life? To summarize very simply, number six, just live a sinful life. Just live a sinful life. You want to you wanna just miss out on all that God has for you? Just live in sin. And I obviously am saying this very sarcastically. Don't do these things. I hope you understand. I'm not saying do these things. I'm saying if you truly just don't care and you don't want to experience all that God has for you, then this is the road that would be taken. Just live a sinful life. and But can I share with you, you're going to miss out on happiness. You're going to miss those moments of joy of just being able to spend time and and experience all that God has for you. Man, I love coming on a Wednesday and hearing when someone walks up to me in our church and says, Man, can I just share a blessing with you? I love hearing that. I love being able to have a conversation with someone and say, Can I just share an answer to prayer with you? I love on Wednesday evenings whenever we're able to gather together and on a Wednesday evening someone raises their hand and says, hey, so-and-so is no longer needed to be on the, the, the sick list because God has cured them. I love hearing when God begins to do a work in young people's lives or when, when God saves a young person, when God begins to turn someone around or when I see someone show up that we've been praying for. I love to hear those things. I love to hear it. I love to see that, that God is doing a great work in people's lives and that they're experiencing all that God has them. And you know this as well as I do. You can see it on someone's face the very moment you see them. Man, God's working in someone's life. They're just chipper as can be. They're struggling. You can see it. They're hurting. You can see it. They're broken. You can see it. And in verse number 25, he says this. Your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins have withholden good things from you. I've seen it before where someone will be living in sin. And because of the sin that they're living in, they're miserable as can be. And instead of acknowledging that they're living in sin... When someone begins to talk about the goodness of God, they look at that person and say, oh, well, you just have it so much easier than the rest of us. Is it that they have it so much easier, or is it that they just decided that they were going to live for the Lord and got right with God? You want to make it harder on yourself? Disregard God. Disregard all that the Lord has for you. When God and the Holy Spirit is dealing with you and draws you to this old-fashioned altar, say, no, Lord, I'm not going to deal with you. You want to miss it? Miss it you want to experience all that God has for you? Psalm 1 lays out a very beautiful blueprint right at the beginning. There's so much more. Psalm 1 is just a little piece of it. As it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Well, how has he experienced blessings from God? But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment or sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. This evening, this is a message, this is a portion of scripture. This is a subject that is very near and dear to me because I see it far too often that Christians are missing truly what God has for them. When, when the Lord laid this, this verse right here, and especially this theme on my heart, it was to try to help us all to understand that the Lord desires that at the end of the day, we truly would be given to God. You see, every single day, we're given to something or someone. You're either given to yourself You're given to this world and the, the pleasures of this world, or you have the opportunity to give yourself to the Lord. But every single day you are given to something or someone, and the joy of the Christian life is finding yourself saying, Lord, I'm selling out to you. I can't wait to see what you have. Every single day you wake up, and man, it's just a joy being able to spend time in His Word and spend time in prayer and spend time just fellowshipping with the brethren and spend time in the house of God and all of those many things. And so if you want to know how to lose the Lord's best, Stop seeking the truth. Stop being sincere. Start being rebellious. Stop submitting to God. Start deceiving yourself. And just very simply live a sinful life. If you want to miss out on God's best, do those six things. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Lord, I don't know that we could ever express our gratitude for those. Thank you for salvation. I thank you for the truth of God's word. I thank you for clear scripture. Lord, I know for myself, Lord, I don't want to miss out on your best. Lord, I don't want our church family to miss out on your best. Lord, I don't want those who are here this evening to miss out on your best. But, Lord, that's a personal decision each of us have to make. Lord, it's something that we have to determine by the grace of God we are going to just strive to live for you. And, Lord, that we would surrender our life to you. Lord, that doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. But one thing to understand, Lord, is that you're always there. Even in those moments when we don't understand exactly where you're leading us, we know that you're the one that's leading us. And, Lord, what a powerful truth that, Lord, we're either allowing you to lead us or we're trying to lead ourselves. And, Lord, we know this to be true, that when we lead ourselves, Lord, we're always taking ourselves down a road that's very slippery. Lord, we we think we can figure things out ourselves, but that's just not true. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us this evening. Lord, help us to surrender. I want to experience your best. I want this church to experience your best. I want families of this church to experience your best. I want those who visit to experience your best. So, Lord, I pray that we would, as a church and as a people tonight, determine, by the grace of God, I don't want to miss out. Help us not to miss out, Lord, and we'll thank you for it. Be with this invitation. Use it. Draw us unto yourself. We'll thank you for that. for it's In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.